Welcome back, everyone. Today we have a very special guest, none other than Papa Crow himself, Opti. Take a bow, sir. What is that? That is our deck. My name is Alana. Please don't antagonize her. Right. So, uh, you chubbs ready to talk about that marvelous, magnificent, majestic, mysterious, memorable mojo that is magic? Absolutely. Do you plan those alliterations, or is that just a tick or something? <laughs> of course not. I have people that write that stuff for me. Just kidding. <laughs> it's all me. Ask away with your first question. All right, let's get down to it. Opti, the first question is straightforward. What is magic? Well, magic is not particularly easy to define. It's At its heart, it's sort of a energy or influence that that is grown from people. Uh, not in the way like a fungus or cancer or anything like that, but sort of a an energy that that is created by life itself and and forms like a sort of atmosphere uh, around a group of people or around a planet or just basically anything that is alive. And over time, people or things, such as dragons, have learned that they can manipulate that sort of energy and make it do their will. And that's sort of what magic is. Magic is somebody's will grabbing a hold of that energy created by life and mystically making something happen as a result. So if, if someone was interested in becoming magical, how would they go about doing that? I'm asking um, for a friend. Yeah, uh-huh. a friend. Shut up. Uh, well, it's really not like that. You can't just become magical. Or if you do, it's usually as a result of some sort of demonic pact, which I do not recommend. Uh, many people have gone down that road much to their chagrin and ultimate death. So because I like you, I'm just telling you to stay away and I'm not even going to entertain that sort of thing. But under normal circumstances, becoming awakened is just sort of something you have or something you don't. It might be genetic, although all attempts thus far to replicate it through DNA and, and genetic replication have been unsuccessful. Uh, just basically, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Magdalene. Oh. Well, that sucks. When did you know that you were capable of magic? Did it hurt? It, it did not hurt. At least it did not hurt me. Uh, my early experiments with magic, my early awakened self, it did not always go well for those around me. Uh, I was in an Aries preparatory school, you might be interested to learn. That did not last very long, but a few of my classmates felt the brunt of my fledgling magic ability. Uncontrolled, it wasn't on purpose, but over time, thanks to my dog, I was able to learn how to do magic better. Now, I've heard that not all magic is the same. So, how true is that? Uh, it depends on who you ask. There is a theory, a unified magic theory to be particular, which suggests that all magic is, in essence, the same thing. Now, some people would push back on that. It is true that magic does seem to have the same effects, more or less, no matter who is using it. So. The prevailing hypothesis, at least in 2080 as we are, is that all magic is basically the same, all magic does the same basic thing, and the only difference is the form in which it takes. 
I disagree, and we can talk about it, but that is the prevailing theory. Wait, are we just going to gloss over the fact that you said a dog spoke to you? What do you want to know? Ask your question. Okay, I, I've heard other Wiz kids mention animals and stuff like that. These mentor spirits, what do they do? Well, I'm glad you made the leap from a dog taught me magic to mentor spirits, because that's pretty much what it was. Uh, for someone who's unawakened, you were pretty quick on the uptake there. Uh, but essentially, yes, a mentor spirit, uh, or as we used to call them back in the good old days, totems, uh, before all the hermetics started jumping on the ship, uh, are essentially these, these magical beings or these entities, these extra planar things, or as some people like to uh, joke or deride by saying they're just figments of mage's imagination, uh, they're... they're beings that, that teach and guide and mentor you in the use of magic. Or they constantly bother you and send you on quests that you don't want to go to. Or they rescue you when you most need them. Or they are sort of like a clingy boyfriend who just won't leave you alone until you give him a favor. Like, those sort of things just happen to mages and mentor spirits or totems are basically the epicenter for that kind of thing. So, you said something about Hermetics. Um, that's a tradition, right? Eh, sort of. Um, hermetics are a, a non-tradition. Hermetic mages use formulas and uh, math, if you will, or logic to break down magic and plug it into uh, equations, and that's how they cast magic. There is a number of traditions. There are a number of traditions that would count as hermetic, like a chaos mage would fit somewhere into that hermetic sphere. Uh, and, a, and a number of other traditions that would fit under the hermetic. Anybody who basically is a little bit um, disconnected from the source of the magic and instead uses their wits or their formulas or their intelligence to cast magic would be considered, in my opinion, a sort of hermetic mage. And there's all sorts of different traditions within that, but. On the other side of that are your more shamanic traditions, which instead of thinking about it and plugging it into formulas, they feel the magic. They get in touch with the source of the magic and are allowed to cast magic through their relationship with the spirits and the sources behind the magic. Which, again, is why I would suggest that magic is not all the same, even though the effects of the magic are the same. For example, if I hit you in the face with my fist, it might have the same effect as if I swing a cat at you, but the sources are not the same. Those are two different things. Oh, boy. Magic just sounds like it's the bee's knees. But what can't it do? That's an interesting question. Uh, and I think the best way to answer it is to say that it is only limited by the amount of drain your body can take. Drain is the sort of magical feedback that mages get when they cast spells. Uh, if I try to cast a spell that is too powerful for me, it'll be like this intense magical hangover that instantly hits you. Uh, makes you weak, makes you unable to focus. It's, it's pretty awful. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's limited by that. I could cast a spell, quite honestly, that could end the world, but it would kill me and probably half the people I know in the process. 
So I try not to channel that much energy. Most people don't. Most people's bodies can't even handle it, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, drain's a, a big problem and, and a big limiter. There's also just certain hard caps. The powers that be, uh, the people who catalyze magic, uh, have decided that we can't teleport or raise the dead. And those sort of hard caps are just the type of things that Shadowrunners ever since the 2050s have had to put up with. For unknown reasons. Maybe it'll just make our job too easy. Who knows? So, I know that there are items that help mages cast spells, perform rituals, and that sort of thing. What, what are some of these items, and how profitable of a market is there for smuggling said items? Well, Wolf, I feel like you already know the answer to this, but for the benefit of the people listening... Uh, yes, there are a number of magical items that exist in the world. Some, like artifacts, are extremely ancient. I mean, we're talking going back 10,000, 20,000 years, and finding one of those will net you an unlimited amount of money. I guess the unfortunate thing for you and I is that those things don't come along very often. Uh, in fact, I've very rarely seen them, and the ones that I have come across were not the super huge, powerful kind, and so I was only able to make a small profit off of them but there are more common items such as reagents which are more available for everyday use and reagents are mundane things that pick up ambient magic along the way say animal bones or certain herbs or uh, rocks that were present during certain magical rituals and they just suck up magic and then by collecting these and maybe refining them maybe not you can release that ambient energy as you cast a spell to either enhance the spell or protect yourself from drain. In the same way, there's stuff called uh, foci or a particular focus that will allow it, uh, it, it retains energy long term. You bind a little bit of yourself to it and as such you can cast magic through this particular object, say, I don't know, a wand or a headband or in my case my magical bowler hat. Uh, and it just enhances your ability to cast magic. It, it makes it stronger. It gives it certain effects. It just makes life easier in general. Uh, there are also bound spells uh, in which you can take a spell and give it to a particular object that will go off. Say, bind a spell to a door that when you walk through it, it zaps somebody with a fireball. Um, or there's also talismans, which have some sort of effect they give you just by wearing them, like a protection talisman or uh, gauntlets of ogre strength or whatever have you. Uh, but yeah, there's certain magical items all over the place and people who trade in that thing, those kind of things are called uh, talismongers, which I think is a super awesome name. I wanted to be a talismonger for the longest time just because of the name. It sounded way cooler than fishmonger, which my grandpa was. What is the most important attribute for a magical person to have? Well, I'm going to get a little bit metaphysical here. Um, but the most important attribute that will affect your magic as a magic user is just how much magic you have. The ability for your body or your spirit to channel that much magic is basically static from the time you're born. Now, certain things like uh, losing essence to a vampire attack or getting cyberware can lessen your body and your soul's ability to channel more magic. But other things, such as initiation, can enhance your ability to channel magic. 
But either way, uh, there's not any good way to measure exactly how much that is, but for all intents and purposes, we'll just call that our magic attribute. Uh, as far as other attributes, uh, I would say that a strong willpower is necessary to cast spells and in particular to protect yourself from the drain associated with spells. And again, it's very hard to quantify how much willpower a person has. I've seen people try to do that before, like they'll write down on pieces of paper what they think that they're good at. I've just never been much for that. I just prefer to talk about it. Uh, but if I want to put this in maybe terms that your listeners can understand, um, if any of you have ever played the Matrix game, Demons and Drug Lords, they have a certain attribute array. Uh, I believe it's something like strength, body, intuition, willpower, charisma, logic, and probably a few others. Uh, I think there's a certain edge attribute in that game. Um, and if you're playing that particular game, depending on your magical tradition, they have very similar magical traditions to the real world, the sixth world, which is real, um, that uses willpower and uh, charisma for the more shamanic traditions and willpower and logic for the more hermetic. Now, I like that because, you know, it's, it's just a fun game um, and, and seems to cover everything that, that we cover in our real life as Shadowrunners. So, for example, the Osmodius Cartel would use will plus charisma for their spells, the Mephisto Mafia would use will plus logic, and the Beelzebub Boys would use willpower plus intuition. So I gotta ask, what is the wildest thing you've ever done with magic? And please, don't spare any details. I can only say that the wildest thing that I've ever done with magic was actually not something that I did to myself or to somebody else, but that something was done to me. For an initiation process, I was turned into a dog for six months and had to follow around an inept Decker, keeping him alive and keeping him profitable while I could not speak and could only cast spells as a magically active dog. That was awful. I had to sleep in a very small kennel, and the only thing I could do was cast influence spells to get this dreckhead to let me out and give me dog treats that didn't taste like stale biscuits. But that was six months of hell, I tell you. I had quite a misspent youth, but I pissed myself more that six months than in any previous time period combined. Before we go, Opti, do you have any advice to give fresh magical Shadowrunners or their mundane teammates? For the mundane teammates, I can only give the advice that I wish somebody had given my teammates, which is just chill the hell out. Sometimes the magic is not going to go the way they want it to, and that's just the way that magic is. You either want somebody with magic mojo on your team or you don't, and sometimes it just doesn't work right. But for the magic folk, I would say that hooking up with a magical society is probably the quickest and easiest and best way to get a handle on your magic and to grow stronger and have more control over it. So, of course, you need to be careful. Not every magical society is created equal. Um, you don't want to, you know, back in the 2050s, there was this problem with druids coming out of uh, Great Britain, and uh, they kind of wanted to, like, take over the world and kill everybody. So, like, that was a group you wanted to stay away from. Also, there's this little group called the Universal Brotherhood, which seemed really legit at the time, but as it turns out, 
were a bunch of cannibalistic bug spirits trying to take over the world. So again, these, these take over the world types. Nowadays, you know, the Black Lodge or Ordo Maximus, just again, just be a little bit picky with looking around, trying to find somebody else. But, uh, you know, if you, need, if you need somebody, just uh, look me up and I uh, have quite a few quite a few Magical Society hookups. So just, uh, I think I'll be able to do a little matchmaking for you. All right, was well, fun. We should get you into this studio more often, Opti. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Nice to see you guys outside of Harris for once. Speaking of, we want to go tie one on? You know, I'm always down to get it on with the drinking. All right, well, let's get to it. Archie did say there was a live show tonight. I love live shows. It seems they forgot to close the show. Oh well. I will have to do that part for them. You have been listening to Wolf and Mr. Clean with special guest Opti. This has been Deniable Assets. Good night and good running chummer. But also, enjoy your freedom. Well, let's do it. <laughs>